If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hey, everybody. Today, Rado talks through episode 36 of the podcast. And this is it, folks. Number 36. The final episode of my third year of podcasting. And really, this is the end of my sixth year of doing the Rotto Runs-Through Show. Oh my gosh, such a momentous moment. And if you listened to last month's podcast, you might have been left with a bit of a cliffhanger. What will happen to the show? It was all up in the air. Folks, it is no longer up in the air. Jen and I have made our decision, and we have our plan going forward. And if you want to know more about it, you can go check my new fundraising page for the show at patreon.com slash rotto. Yes, that's it, folks. I have switched over to Patreon, and depending on how high my backing is there, we will be continuing to do monthly content for as long as fans of the show want to support us. And... Fortunately, this is not the last episode of the podcast because we have already hit the goal level where the podcast will continue. There will be a number 37 in four weeks from now. Hooray! Happy day. So, if you enjoy the show, if you're at all interested in checking that out, because there are some very cool new backer-only rewards you can get, again, check it out at patreon.com slash rotto. The link for it is in the show notes of this podcast. For folks who are not keen on the Patreon model of a monthly subscription where they're charged and would prefer to stick to my old approach where I only did fundraising once a year and it was just for the entire year all at once, don't worry, I've got you covered. Check out the Patreon page, scroll down to the bottom, and you'll find a link that will let you make a one-year full lump sum backing support pledge that'll get you access to all the rewards you want. So... I'm trying to have my cake and eat it too. Although, for folks who are interested in that year-long pledge, it's only going to be up for a few more weeks. And then, for the rest of the year, if you're a fan of the show and want to support it and get some of those sweet backer-only rewards, then you'll have to use Patreon. So, that's it. Shilling for my show is done. Out of the way, thank you for your patience, everybody. Thank you for your continued listening. And now, if you'd like to hold on, we'll get to some new games of interest right after this. All right, everybody, time for games of interest, although... Not that many this month. That's to be expected. It's the slow time of the year. I'm sure things will pick up in the next couple months as convention season starts. But for now, I still found a few pretty exciting little gems, starting with Barrage. Now, here's why I'm excited. This is from designer Simone Luciani, who was the co-designer on Zolk in the Mind Calendar, Marco Polo, Lorenzo Il Magnifico, Grand Austria Hotel, and Council of Four. That is an amazing track record. Those are all really great games with really smart, clever, sharp, sharp Euro gameplay. So that's what I expect from Barrage. And this is a game about building dams in the 1930s. 
And there's not much detail about the gameplay yet, but there are two things promised. One is having to manipulate the flow of water to make sure your dams are working at full potential. That could be very, very cool. It was certainly an idea I loved in Spirits of the Rise Paddies. I don't know if it's going to be different here. It's certainly on a bigger scale, but that's neat. And then also, the game promises some kind of action selection wheel, and it says it's innovative. And considering this is from the guy who was one of the instrumental designers behind Zulk and the Mayan Calendar, the most innovative board game wheel of all time, I cannot wait to see what we will find when we get hit with the barrage. So, excited about that one. But moving along, I'm also excited about underwater cities. And once again, this is going to be designer pedigree more than anything else. Vladimir Suhi, who I always used to say Suchi, but everybody correct me, and it's Suhi, apparently. Uh, Last year... He came back with a vengeance with Pulsar 2849. I mean, I've always loved this guy. Ever since I first played Shipyards and then Last Will, I think he's an amazing designer, and he just doesn't put out very much. And that's okay, because whenever he does bring a game out, it tends to be amazeballs. And so... I'm expecting big, big things from underwater cities, which, as you might guess, is about building cities at the bottom of the ocean. Apparently, we're all building a communal city, which is a cool idea, you know, certainly in games like Urban Sprawl or something like that. But what's cool is we're building the city by putting cards on the board. And when you place a card, the card has some kind of action, reward, resource, whatever it gives you. But it also matters where you put the card on the board. So you get this nice one-two combo, which could be very, very cool in a game where we're all constructing the same city together. But like I said, gameplay aside, I'm just there on day one because Vladimir has not let me down. I think he is one of the criminally overlooked designers in the industry today. And if Pulsar 2849 didn't put him on the map like it should, maybe Underwater Cities will. Next up, got a string of expansions. Expansion month here at Rotto Talks Through, starting with Railroad Revolution, Railroad Evolution, um, which is a silly, very, very silly title. I don't know why they just call it Railroad Revolution colon Evolution, but all I know is publisher What's Your Game very rarely does expansions for their games. They're always putting out new stuff every year. So the fact that this expansion does enough to a game that was already made my top 10 in 2016, Railroad Revolution is a very, very sharp, fun game. As is. I certainly didn't think, oh my gosh, this game needs expansion content, but it's getting it. And so I'm really keen to see what Railroad Evolution adds to Railroad Revolution. Then we've got Santa Maria American Kingdoms. This was another top 10. This made my top 10 last year. More new stuff, uh, characters, tiles, resources, whatever. The interesting thing is, the description is being pretty coy, but it talks about an asymmetrical goal for one player, which suddenly means it's still a competitive game, but I don't know. Does does this mean maybe one player can actually take on the role of the natives? Because that was actually, uh, there was a lot of flack that the developers of Santa Maria got for even broaching the subject of colonial subjugation of the New World and making a euro out of it. I'm really, really interested to see what they're planning to do. But a new asymmetrical goal for one player, that's super intriguing. And it was already an amazeball game. So Santa Maria American Kingdoms is definitely on my watch list. As is, finally, 
Dragonfire Moonshay Storms. I think I've mentioned now a couple times in past talkthroughs that this is going to be the big box expansion for Dragonfire. But then it turned out, nope, this was another little blister pack, just a collection of cards and some new stuff. Nope, this again is happening. But this is the one. Moonshay Storms is a whole new box full of new quests and new characters and new level up opportunities and all of that. And I gotta say, Jen and I, we have been enjoying the story of the Dragonfire campaign so much, we cannot wait to see it continue and evolve with the new big box expansion, Moonshay Storms. Then, speaking of big boxes, we've got Dale of Merchants collection. And Dale of Merchants has had two releases now. It's a sweet, sweet little deck builder. It's kind of flown under the radar, but I've done run-throughs for both, so you probably know all about it. And the problem is the two base games that are standalone or work together that come out so far, it requires two boxes. You can't fit everything into one box, so hooray! The Dale of Merchants collection is coming, which comes with a big box to fit everything that's come before, plus some new expansion standalone content as well. And uh, so, what new kind of anthropomorphized animals will we be able to play with? I don't know, but it's proven to be a really fantastic game with really great legs so far. So, I'm excited for more Dale of Merch, or Dale of Merchant's collection. I don't know, will that be on Kickstarter? I'm assuming it will be, because officially it's not till 2019. That's way early, so I expect this will probably be another one on Kickstarter. Maybe I'll end up covering it, I don't know. And now, I think the last of the expansions I'm talking about this month is Villages of Valeria Landmarks. Speaking of Kickstarter, this is on Kickstarter right now. And Villages of Valeria is a very, very sweet, fast-playing card game. More cards to add into the simulation, more gobsmackingly gorgeous, Gorgeous, awesome, colorful art from the Miko. It's 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 a no-brainer. Uh, Village of Valeria is really, really a lot of fun. And so, looking forward to seeing more. And I've only got one... No, I've got two more for you, folks. And we're out of expansions, back to standalone games. This one I just found out about this morning. And i got to admit, maybe I'm taking a bit of a gamble, because I think it's from the new designer, new publisher, don't really know much about them. But I read the gameplay description, and I got really intrigued by um, From Batavia. From Batavia, I believe, is the the way you pronounce this famous uh, merchant uh, trading ship that sunk, the Batavia. I don't know much about the history. I guess this is a 17th century collecting spices from the Far East and bringing them back to Europe-style simulation. I'm always down with that. I mean, that's always kind of fun. But forget about the theme. Here's what's interesting. This is a Race for the Galaxy-style card game where, oh, if I want to play this card, I have to sacrifice other cards. That always works. That always creates really fun, tense tough, meaty decisions. It's one of my favorite gameplay mechanisms of all time, so I'm intrigued just because it's another game pushing this. But here's the cool thing that I love. When I pay cards X and Y so that I can summon card Z and get its special power, whatever it is might be, instead of cards X and Y going to the discard pile, they go to my opponent. You think of a Seven Wonders style game where at the end of the round, it's not all of the cards that I haven't played that goes to my opponent. It's just the cards that I burned to play a card. That 
I, as soon as I read that, I was like, oh my God, that is such a brilliant idea. There is so much possibility for that because suddenly what was already a cool, fun media decision, what cards do I sacrifice? Uh, what cards do I put on the funeral pyre so that I can put this one thing into play? Because of course I want all these cards. Now it's even worse. I'm giving them to my opponent. And will they be able to make use of these things? But, okay, okay, I'll burn these two cards to give them. But these cards are more expensive. If I burn this card... Oh, I, 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 I'm all a Twitter with uh, excitement for From Batavia. I hope it's good, because, man, this is a million-dollar idea. I am very excited to give that one a try. And now, the last one I'm talking about this month is a little roll-and-write game that'll be coming on Kickstarter in May called On Tour. And it's a game where you are a band manager trying to plan out the nationwide concert tour of your rock band. Now, to be fair, it's a fairly abstract game, but it basically means every round we're rolling dice, and they're two ten-sided dice, if I recall correctly. Yeah. And so say you rolled a four and a seven, that means you have to write 47 on one of the states you might visit, and then 74 on a different state that you might visit. And you keep doing that until the entire map, all the states, are filled up. This is also a pretty good uh, educational aid for people trying to remember where all the different states are in the Union, or in, in the United States. But anyway, as you go and you have fewer and fewer places to write these numbers, things get tight uh, because you're restricted. You, you can't just put them in any state you want. Every round, there's going to be some cards drawn that said, oh, you can only put it in the East Coast or in the West Coast or the North or the South or the Mid, uh, you know, the, the Midlands or what have you. So there are these restrictions to where you can put them. And after the game is all over, after all the states are filled up, then you do a connect the dots to try to make an ascending series of, of stopovers for your tour. And the longer your tour is, the more points you're going to get. I don't know if I'm doing it justice. This is kind of a hard thing to verbally describe, but as soon as you see it in action, it instantly makes sense. And Jen and I, we played one game of this so far, and we were really wowed by it. Really, really, really sharp game. So much so that when the game does go on Kickstarter in May, I am actually planning on doing a live playthrough of the game where viewers can watch and play along at home. The same way we did last year. Maybe it was the year before for Avenue. I don't remember. That was a lot of fun, so we're planning on doing that again. So watch for that in May. Our live play-along-at-home play run-through of On Tour. And that's it, folks. Those were a handful, a few interesting new titles. But now, if you want to hold on for a bit, we'll be right back and talk about last month's Top 10. Okay, everybody, top 10 time, and we only have one topic to go over this month, top 10 sci-fi. I was supposed to do multiplayer solitaire as well, but I haven't quite gotten to that yet. So you can wait till next month, and we'll revisit that topic, because I've yet to even film it or even make the list. But science fiction! Hooray, I love sci-fi. And uh, this was a fun list to make. Although, man, like I said in the video itself, I could have made it such a long, long list. Um, but I, I, I had to stop somewhere, so I made my 10. And uh, what got skipped? Well, you know what? If you want to know what got skipped, might I suggest you go check out my Patreon page, patreon.com slash This is a new place where you can go to to subscribe to my feed instead of subscribing on BoardGameGeek or 
YouTube like, or Twitter or Facebook like normal. Um, because I'm also every time I put a new video up, I'm making a link for it on the Patreon page. And when I'm doing that there, I'm actually trying to put a little bit more info. I haven't necessarily come up with stuff always, but I'm, I'm trying to do more than just, hey, here's the links to the video. Here's a little bit of the behind the scenes of the video. And when I posted my top 10 sci-fi on the Patreon page, I listed the other 30 or so games that didn't quite make the list. Plus a few other games that could have made the list because they're just that amazing. But I, I left off the list because this, the theme just wasn't strong enough. And I, and I thought that was actually really interesting. I mean, oh, what was it? Fuse is an amazing real-time cooperative game that Jen and I absolutely adore. And we really like its sequel, Flatline, as well. And ostensibly, they're both science fiction, but not really. You're on a spaceship, I guess, but it doesn't feel like that at all. So I couldn't in good conscience put those on the sci-fi best-of list because they just don't feel sci-fi. Same for Spirium, which supposedly is about some kind of steampunk Victorian era. No, it's not. They just put in green cubes and called it Spirium instead of black cubes and called it coal. Uh, you're not fooling anybody. Same for Steffenfeld's Aquasphere. Love that game. Um, and to be fair, it's probably his most thematic game to date. Same thing for Sentient, which is, oh, such a cool game. And it is about programming, but it could be said in the modern day. The sci-fi, it, it, it's just really not there. So there were a handful of games like that that probably should have made the list because their gameplay is so good, but the sci science fiction wasn't there. And then there's a long list of strong sci-fi contenders, but I had to narrow it down to 10. So you can see that whole list on the patreon.com slash Rotto page. But let's talk about what folks had to say in response, because the video's been up for a while now. And let's see, somebody asked about Destination Neptune. That made my long list, not my short list, unfortunately. Although I haven't had a chance. I actually did back it on Kickstarter when it had that little mini expansion that supposedly tightens the gameplay up. I'm really looking forward to trying that. Haven't had a shot at it, though, because we've been kind of moving and stuff. Let's see here. Oh, oh, Cosmic Run, somebody mentioned. Did I put that on my short list? If I didn't, I should have. Or my long list? I think I did, didn't I? Oh my gosh, I didn't. That's missing. Oh, well, then you got to keep listening to the podcast, folks, because Cosmic Run... Oh, it's because I don't have it, because I'm waiting for the new Cosmic Run 2.0. Oh, I totally forgot about it. That should have made the list as well. Oh, oh well. Anyway, that neat little, uh, uh, you know, dice rolling game. But, let's see. Oh, man. So many people are excited about the fact that I mentioned in passing that Project Elite is coming back. I don't know what's going on. Tom Bassel's been talking about it for a year. And I figure, you know, it's, it's open game because, you know, I, I think I've got the access to the same information he does. And, like I said, he's been talking about it for a long time. So I just figured I'd mention it in passing. And now, all of a sudden, there's threads on, threads on, threads on Reddit and stuff like that. Because people are like, oh my gosh, it's coming back. And it's like... I didn't say anything that Tom hasn't been saying. I didn't think I was as much of a mover and shaker as him, but that was really kind of a surprise. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Project Elite. It's going to be awesome. Although I have to admit, I know very, very little. I just know uh, a few basic things, and I'm not allowed to talk about that. I don't know. Maybe I wasn't even supposed to talk about anything at all. But, you know, the cat's out of the bag. And I think that's important because nothing would drive me nuts more knowing that, you know, it's coming. It is coming, folks, if you hold on. You don't have to pay 300 bucks for a crazy outer because it will be coming back. I mean, yeah. 
Yeah. Anyway, though, uh, let's see. Somebody asked about Anachrony. You know, that one definitely has the potential to probably make the long list, maybe the short list, but we only ever played the prototype. I've got the final version complete with the minis, but we didn't get a chance to play it before I left Malta to go on this crazy international journey that we're on right now. So, I mean, I might have to, cir I'll have to circle back around to that later in the year. But anyway, let's see, what else did people uh, mention? Dee, dee, dee. All right. Oh, oh, oh. Um, yeah, time stories. I put that on the long list, didn't I? Surely I did. Did I? Not? Yeah, I did. Yeah, time stories. Again, it's on my longer list. Uh, the science fiction is great, especially the meta story stuff that's happening with all the, uh, the, 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 the technology that we're using to travel back and forth in time. It's just a shame the game's not better. Man, ah, I, I play that game almost in spite of the gameplay, not because of it. But let's see here. What else have we got that people... Oh, this was interesting. Somebody actually mentioned Eclipse. Which, of course, is a monstrously popular Euro-style 4X Space Empire building game. And I, Jen and I played it, and we respect it, but man, we didn't like it at all. And somebody said they were surprised I didn't put it on the list or consider it, because apparently, I, I don't know if I knew about this or not, but there's going to be a new Eclipse 2nd Edition coming that maybe has streamlined rules to make it a shorter game, which is very appreciated, and a pure cooperative mode. And you know when when this guy mentioned to me on YouTube about this, I'm like, what? Why haven't I heard about this? You know why aren't they screaming about this from the rooftops? That's very exciting. And so I don't know, maybe that's well known, and I'm just the last person to hear about because I've always just kind of dismissed Eclipse out of my mind. But hey, if a second edition is in fact coming and it's going to feature full co-op, yes, please for Eclipse. And that might have had a chance to make the list definitely under those circumstances. Oh, Alien Frontiers, yep, not going to make my list way too mean. Oh, so, so mean. Needlessly mean. It's such a shame. And what else have we got here? I think that's most what every... Oh, yeah. The Twilight Imperium, say people. Uh, yeah. Twilight Imperium, not, not going to happen. Never going to make my list, sorry to say. Oh, uh, a couple people asked. It was, it was totally, completely a coincidence that my science fiction top 10 came out within 48 hours, I think, of the Dice Tower science fiction Total coincidence. I mean, it's the voters. They voted for my sci-fi months ago. So, you know, it's just one of those cosmic things. And uh, I, I, it was kind of nice. Terraforming Mars, people ask about? Yeah. You know what? If that game took play, took half the time to play, if it had proper two-player scaling, I, I, I think it, it could have been a contender for me and Jen because it's a great game. But, yeah, it's just too long and too many cards in play in a two-player game. All right, so say la vie for... Although, man, I understand why it's so popular. What else have we got? Yeah, Star Realms, no. Cthulhu Realms, sure, but it's not science fiction. It's fantasy. Oh, hey, that's worth mentioning. I forget, did I mention this in the run-through itself or not? I don't think I did, but... A few people did ask, what about Shadowrun Crossfire? And what about Star Wars game X, Y, or Z? Neither of those would make it into my list because those are not science fiction. To me, those are examples of science fantasy. Anytime you've got a science fiction-like setting where there are mystical, magical elements like literally magic in Shadowrun Crossfire or the Force, which even with the introduction of midi-chlorians is still officially a mystical energy that defies description and is more on the supernatural scale than the scientific scale, that turns it over into a science fantasy 
uh, franchise instead of science fiction. I was making science fiction. Science fiction means it's possible it could happen. It does not require the supernatural to explain the reality of the universe you're in. As soon as you need the supernatural, it's not sci-fi, it's sci-fi. And there's nothing wrong with sci-fi. I love Star Wars, and I certainly love Shadowrun Crossfire, but this was a science fiction list. So that certainly bore mentioning. Okay, what else? I think... Yeah, so many people so excited about Project Elite, and I am too, I have to admit. And that's it, folks. Not really much to say about this month's top ten. Like I said, some point in the next week or so, I'll get next month's going top ten multiplayer solitaire. I have to admit, I don't know what the voters were thinking. What do they want to hear from me? What am I actually supposed to say about that? I can make a list. i I, got to come up with something interesting to say about it, though. But anyway... That's it for Top 10, and now, the moment you've all been waiting for, hold on, we'll be back with Q&A, and also back with Jen. Hey everybody, it is now time for the questions, and time for the answers, and time for a new recording method, because... One of my last remaining lapel microphones just completely gave up the ghost. These things are falling apart like crazy. They're totally useless. Oh my goodness, I need to get some new equipment. But in the meantime, since I can't mic up both myself and my wife, Jen. Hi, honey pie. Hello. I am actually recording this directly into her Android phone, and we'll see how good this sounds. Heck, maybe it'll sound better. Who can say? But anyway, we're going to start out with a follow-up question to Jeff, who actually wrote in last month and had two questions, but I was a total jerk and only answered one. I'm so sorry, Jeff. Jeff's second question after his next next step list was... He's not sure if it's all right to ask. He doesn't intend to be rude. But who are some of the YouTube podcasters and or bloggers that I'd recommend to someone wanting to hear about the many, many Euro games that exist? He's been working his way through BGG to varying levels of success and consumed countless hours of my knowledge and entertainment for what it's worth. He didn't say that. I did. And so those are given. Well... You know, Jeff, you are not the only one to ask. And I have to admit, I actually, on YouTube, I used to, there's a way you can recommend other channels, and I used to do that, but I stopped doing it because I would inevitably get asked by some little channel that I don't watch or I don't particularly like, hey, could you recommend my channel too? I'm like, oh, I really don't want to recommend your channel because you're not good enough yet. And and it was just, it was really uncomfortable. So basically, I just stopped altogether cold turkey. And then there was another time on Board Game Geek, I posted in some discussion thread, well, here's some shows I listen to, and then suddenly that, like, the whole thread became about that. And I was like, ah, I'm just one person. I don't, don't put so much weight on it. So I'm a little loath to do it. Because, yeah, there's a bunch of shows I watch. What I think I'm going to do, um, let's see, I've already talked a bit in the intro of the show about uh, Patreon. I'm switching over to that fundraising thing. Again, patreon.com slash Rotto. At the lowest level, I think two US dollars a month, you can get access to a new video show I'm going to be doing called the Rotto Ramble. Rotto Rambles or something like that. And every month I'm just going to put up a video that's for basically Patreons only. It's just one video a month, only 12 a year. And I was thinking, actually, of broaching this subject 
in a ramble. Because then only a small amount of people are going to see it. It's not going to be really for public consumption. And I think I'd be a lot more comfortable talking about it and there wouldn't have to be this extra weight. So I expect that's going to be a ramble topic coming up next month or with, with within a short amount of time, uh, just so I can get it out there. But not to everybody because it just becomes too big a deal. So sorry I can't answer right now, Jeff. But for some people, a deeper delve into that question will be coming soon. And now moving on to some new folks. Daniel says hello to both me and Jen. Hello, Daniel. I'll see here. In the situation where one of you finishes an action and says, oh, I forgot about X. Can I change that? Do you allow it? Yes. Yes, we do. Do you have a cutoff point or a rule of thumb where moves are locked in and can no longer be changed? No, we don't. Because <laughs> the whole point is to have fun and enjoy ourselves. And if we get too hung up on being persnickety, it ruins it for both of us. Agreed. Um, I think playing with us... You know, completely unfettered, us just being us, would drive a lot of people nuts. Um, we have gone back and rolled back 10 minutes of gameplay. Oh my God, three rounds ago. Oh, why didn't I do this? Uh, well, okay, if you had done that, that just means you'd have like five extra bucks right now, and it really wouldn't change that much other. And you're right, boy, you really should have done that. Okay, let's just say you did that and you've got the five extra bucks. Yep, and plus, if the person can figure out how all that would have changed throughout whatever the the oncoming gameplay was, then I'm totally fine with it. Just don't expect me to... <laughs> I, I don't I don't babysit his going back. <laughs> I expect him to figure it out and, and decide what's fair. And, and he is fair. So, um, you know, we just don't have to really worry about it. And the way Jen just said that, it makes it sound like I'm the only one who does it. But she does it too. I do it as well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we're, 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 we're pretty cash when it comes to that. And it's actually... Probably one of the bigger issues that keeps us from wanting to play games with uh, other people more is because we've certainly found most people are not cash about that. Hey, you know, a couple rounds ago, I really should have bid X. You know, and people are like, I mean, you, know, you can't even bring that up in polite society. <laughs> and so Jen and I, we just sit on it and we, okay, well, we're just not going to have as much fun because we can't play the way we want to play. Uh, which is why um, I've already found the best gaming partner in the world because... She suits me to a T. So, is there any cutoff? I mean, basically, the cutoff is, yeah, boy, I really should have done that. Or, boy, you really should have done that. Yeah, but if we had, can we figure out where the game would be now? Yeah. No, okay, we can't? Then, no, I don't think so. I, I think we just got to live with it. That's basically what it comes down to. If, I would if, say, yeah. Yeah, if we can figure it out, if we can walk backwards through the spaghetti and say, well, this, then this, then this, then we'll do it. I, you know, if, if it's a case where... Okay, we could walk through and we could see, oh, if it was this, then this, then this. And, and you know, that's the only change to the game. But then the other person says, yeah, but you know what? If you had done X, then I would have done Y. And then if it starts getting complicated like that, we'll just go with it. Yeah. But if it's pretty easy to figure out, you know, there is no statute of limitations on um, cleaning up a bad move in our house. Which I'm sure is like uh, nails on chalkboards to some people. <laughs> but we just got to do us. So that's Dan's question, and moving on to um, Sun. Oh dear, Sun's got a lot of questions. All righty. First of all, wishes us all the best of luck with the trip and this and that and the other thing. But first question: Did the setting of a board game after playing it ever make you look up more about that time period or event in which it takes place? 
Hmm. I think you've done some research, additional research, but oftentimes the games that are really oriented towards a particular something come with a lot of good information in the actual game manual. So that's pretty handy, actually. Yeah, but you don't even read that. I don't read it at all. (laughs) I sit down and play when he tells me to. Yeah, that's basically what it comes down to. Jen, certainly not, but I do actually a fair amount. Uh, There have been plenty of games that have prompted me to say, oh, that was really interesting. Let's uh, hit the old Wikipedia and do a slightly deeper dive and whatnot. And yeah, and as Jen says, I always do appreciate it when rule books include a history of section in the back. I, 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 all Euros should do that. I mean, it's just such a cheap and easy way for them to help make the theme come alive. So yeah, I do, and I, and I really appreciate it. All righty, question two. Do you like a theme better if you know more about it? Uh, let's say historical content or realm. Mm. I don't know. I don't. I I would say a little bit of knowledge is always nice. A little sprinkling of flavor is good. Um, I don't know that I prefer or not prefer something based on um, the theme. What do you think? Uh, I, I I don't think I. It, it's a strong indicator of whether I'm going to enjoy the game or not. I, I think it's fine either way. Uh, yeah. If we were to sit down and play a game about um, artisanal... Beer making. Beer making. Well, no, I mean, I, I know nothing about it, and I wouldn't be interested in that anyway. I was trying to think of something that I would actually generally find interesting. Um, about Inuit. Inuit life in the 1800s. In what would someday be called the you know the Alaskan Peninsula, uh, you know something I know, something I know absolutely nothing about. Honestly, I think I'd be more interested in that than something set in the American West or Renaissance Venice or something like that. I'm probably more drawn to something I don't know about uh, because of the previous question. So we can like be introduced to new things. Honey, what is your favorite period in time for board games? I guess I'd be like the era that I like the best. Yes. Um, hmm. I think I like, I, I like the Egyptians. I've always liked the Egyptian stuff. Um, and I think I like futuristic things. Okay. Yeah. So, right. so ancient Egypt and <laughs> the future. What kind of future? A harmonious one. Right. I mean, but you're talking about the near future or so far in the future, it's not even recognizable as humanity or what? No, like 100 years in the future. All right. So those are Jen's two favorite time periods. Uh, Let's see here. I, you know, I mean, I do really like medieval renaissance. I, I remember growing up, I always really loved in history class, you know, studying medieval times in Europe and the feudal system and all that. I imagine a lot of people, that's a really particularly engaging time in history. And I would imagine that continues to this day. The thing is, a lot of people ask, why are there so many Euros set in medieval and Renaissance Europe? Or, or, or you know, uh, the, the same kind of pre-industrial civilizations around the world. And I think, well, first of all, I'm not sure if this phone has stopped recording because it's just gone to sleep. Oh, dear. The joys of... Nope. Okay, it looks like it continued going. All righty. We'll assume that continued on. It looks like it has. Don't fall asleep, phone. Don't like that. <laughs> anyway, what was I saying? Oh, oh, oh. Renaissance. 
England. Oh, I think the reason there are so many Euro games set in that setting is because the economics of that time are perfect. You know, they're not too complex that they would make for, you know, an uh, overbearing and unwieldy, fiddly game. Um, but they're not so simple that you're just, uh, you know, I mean, th- there, there's enough meat on the bone. There's there's enough going on um, that you can abstract down the, you know, the, the, the complex nature of society into, a, into manageable bite-sized chunks that are just immediately very uh, evocative. And uh, you know, a grokable. You you just can understand, right? Okay, I, I, I you know, this. I'm sure in real history, this is a big complex system, but it's been simplified and streamlined down, and it just works with these cardboard chits and these dice or whatever it is. I, I think there's just kind of a, it's just like kind of the perfect level of societal simulation, and I think that's why board game designers tend or euro games designers tend towards those time frames and seeing as how that's kind of my favorite style of game i tend to like those as well plus like i said going back to my childhood i always really enjoyed it so i'd have to say um if i have a favorite it would be renaissance and medieval europe when it boils right down to it kind of a kind of me too-ish there but that, that i i like what i like let's see here do you prefer fantasy or historical themes um, <laughs> I like them both. I like them both. Pick one. No. Pick. Uh, um. Uh, Pick. Historical. Whoa. Which goes against my futuristic thing. Yeah. I was just trying to decide, but I mean, I do enjoy, like you were saying, the well, euros that are set in sort of the 18th and 19th century. Mm-hmm. Those are good. But the, it, it was fantasy versus historical. So. I mean, do you prefer Tolkien to um, the Tudors? I like them both. Pick one! I can't. I can't. I have a top 32. She cannot do it, folks. Cannot do it. Uh, Let's see here. I would say... Yeah, actually, boy, I was mocking her, but that's tough. That's really tough. I mean, if you'd asked me fantasy versus sci-fi, or there's a lot of ones, but that's really tough. Straight fantasy versus straight historical. You know, I, I, I my gut answer might have been fantasy, but thinking about it, I mean, okay, if I could only ever play board games of either fantasy or historical simulations for the rest of my life, it's a no-brainer. I would choose historical. Okay. Uh, And so, yeah, there you go. That's how I decided it. Honey, if you could only, for the rest of your life, only ever play fantasy-based board games or historical-based board games. I'm going to go with historical so I can play with you. (laughs) Okay. Because otherwise we'll be in our separate rooms. Indeed, yes, playing solos. All righty. And question five, is there a big historical event you would love to see in a board game that has not been done yet? No. (laughs) I can't think of a thing. No. No. Yeah, I, I, ironically, in spite of the fact that you know we both kind of err towards historical, I would say neither Jen nor I are big students of history. Correct. Um, so yeah, it's not like oh my god, yeah, I really love the the story behind this particular event that happened in this time in this place. Wow, what a great game it would be! Um, if you were to list five things, I could probably pick the one I'd like the most, but I can't just pick one out of the air. So I'm sorry, son. We're gonna fail you on that last one. All righty. And let's see here. Oh, one more question. 
Do, uh, do you have relatives? No. Nope. Do, do, do they all live in America? <laughs> do they like board games? And do you speak often? Some of those are personal question type things. But, honey, um, do you have relatives who like board games? Yes. Really? Um, yeah, Nancy, Nancy does. And dad puts up with it. All right. I think. Yeah, but I mean, that, I wouldn't call them. I mean, it's not like they seek it out. They'll play it because we'll, because it, because they know we want to play them. Yeah. Uh, I, Nancy bought a few um, board games after she's hung out with us for a while. Really? What? I was unaware of this. Well, I think they've got Dixit. You're serious? I think so. Oh. And I think they bought a couple other ones. And I know that they bought some to um, share with my niece and nephew, their grandchildren. Oh, wow. So, yeah. No, I no, I did not know that. Yeah, I mean, we've taken several trips with Jen's folks. And I always take along a few games so we can play at various times. I know Hanabi was a big hit with them. And Dixit was a big hit with them. And Dice Town. And, and so, no, I had no idea. It had an ongoing effect. So, interesting. Uh, my family, no. I actually I don't really have much family. It's my mom and my brother. Um, let's see, all my aunts and uncles are dead, and uh, I only have one parent left. Yeah, gosh, that's I I I I, 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 I have a couple of cousins I know of. That's really weird. I've never thought about that before. How much family do I have? Not much, and uh, none of them are really into board games. So, sorry, that was a bit into the personal, but thanks for the question, son. Let's move on to Carla, who says she's curious how we decide what games we removed from the collection due to the big move. Uh, That was 100% Mr. Ham. Yes, all right. Well, let's see. She assumes weight and size would be a consideration, Mm -hmm. rarity would be a consideration. Yes, those were certainly considerations um it it was yeah i it it was a gamut of stuff certainly yes if it was a bigger box it did not have as much of a chance of making it i would have to actually go and look let's see if people want to look they can go to gone or oops gone.rado.com and there you will find a list of every game we've had that I've gotten rid of with a note saying why we got rid of it. And if it comes up, and then I sort by the comment field, all of the ones that we got rid of in this big gigantic block will be there. Because I have to admit, I mean, I, I figured this all out a few months ago, so I'm starting to forget now what it was. So any second now, <laughs> this will come up. Uh, don't you? All right, there we go. So, hmm... Our internet doesn't seem to be quite as fast or something here. Yep. It's it's super duper fast, though. It's faster than it was in Malta. I don't know. I don't know if it's just our imagination. Our, our combined here. imagination. Right, yeah. That was box size. Uh, I guess a lot of them. Well, you know, the, the tricky thing is... I, I guess, yeah, I mean, size was a portion, but looking at this list now, uh, anything that we're talking about here is I, I had the same universal entry for why we got rid of it. Only got rid of it because of international move, and that was certainly the case. I would, I was happy. I enjoyed all of these games. I would have kept all of them. But actually looking at them, I, I wouldn't say that there was an overwhelming number that were having to do with box size. I think more than anything else, my decision-making was... We rarely get to go back and play games we're going to play anyway. If I were to go back and play a game, of all the games I've got, which ones would I play? And 
Uh, and, and, and the ones that came down lower on that, not that I wouldn't happily love to play them, but if I ever had the chance to, chances are I do this X over Y. Okay, Y is going to go. Because we ended up getting rid of 30% of them. Some of them I got rid of because... Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's because, okay, well, we've got another game that does kind of the same thing. Like a, a Bomb Squad. Uh, I got rid of Bomb Squad because we have Sherlock Holmes, or what's it called? Uh, uh, Baker Street, 211 Baker Street, which does the Hanabi-type stuff. And then we've got Escape, or Fuse, for the real-time stuff. And while Bomb Squad is an awesome game that combines Hanabi gameplay with real-time cooperative stuff, if we want to play a real-time game, we'll probably play Fuse. Be, or or uh, Escape, because that's a quick 10-minute game. And Whereas Bomb Squad, if we want to play it, it's, it's a longer experience. It takes more setup time. Uh, I'd have to go back and read the rules, because we don't remember it as well. And if we wanted to play the uh, Hanabi elements of it, we'd play uh, 221 Baker Street. Or is it 211? No, it's 221 Baker Street. So we'd play one of those. And so with that in mind, as much as I loved Bomb Squad... Oh, and then another thing about Bomb Squad is it... It has a campaign, and we love campaigns. We love, oh yeah, let's play it and, and you know and and work our way through the story. But for a game that we're going to have a harder time getting to the table in the first place because we never get to go back and revisit old games anyway, and if if we do, we're probably going to play one that we know how to play already. Um, I I just felt like Bomb Squad is not really going to get its due because we're not going to get a chance to work all the way through the campaign as we um you know see the storyline through and all that. So. I mean, just as a random example, that's why I got rid of Bomb Squad. I guess it was really comparing a lot of these to what I did decide to keep and which ones scratched the same itch. Like, uh, oh, uh, you know, I got rid of uh, a few more like that, or a few more real-time games. Oh, like Paramedic Clear. We thought that was really a fun little yeah, game. Yeah, definitely. V- definitely a fun game. But, uh, and you know, I could sit down and see playing that, but would we play that or would we play Fuse or Escape? You know? Mm. If, if we... I mean, that's the thing. When you have hundreds of games and you don't get to play any of them, <laughs> it and, you know if 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 Rado runs through stop tomorrow and we had I, I I wouldn't have had any reason to get rid of all those games because we oh let's just play a different game every day and we would just go through them. But considering the fact that we don't get to do that and I had to get rid of a bunch, it just didn't make sense to keep something like Bomb Squad or uh, Paramedics Clear. So I think that was kind of the thinking there. It was tough. It was heartbreaking, and. Uh, I wouldn't want to do it. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Yeah, it was hard. Yeah, it was it was sad to see them all go too. But you know, they all went to good homes. Anyway, good question, Carla. Thanks for ripping the band-aid off. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Let's see here. Uh next up, we've got one from Alejandro. Good luck with, for the move. Hope it's a good transition and we can sell down soon. And FYI, I can get you that sweet salt lick sauce if you need it. Although, I mean, you can get it shipped anywhere in America. So I don't know if we, I don't know if we need the hookup, but thank you very much, Alejandro. But I only have one game in question. Have you kept in touch with, or have you info on? Oh, uh, the oh the upcoming Kickstarter campaign for Claustrophobia, the second edition. I remember you stating that Gloomhaven is replaced. All dungeon crawls for you. I'm curious to know if you still have an interest in this one. Uh, here's what I've read from the forums, in case you haven't. No upgrade kit? Yes. That is heartbreaking. I think I knew that, because I asked them at Essen last year. Uh, same size of tiles, but more different, bigger bigger miniatures. 
uh, due to the size of the game. Uh, same player count. Not a reprint, but an update. And um, and you don't mention this here, but no pre-painted minis, which is really heartbreaking. Uh, at least that's what they told me when I asked them at Essen that they weren't going to do that again. Uh, so it's a good question. Claustrophobia did make the cut. I did not get rid of it. And I seriously, seriously, seriously considered it going for the reasons I was just talking about to Carlos. Because, hey, we got Gloomhaven. When will we ever play Claustrophobia ever again? Do you remember Claustrophobia, honey? It was a dungeon crawl where you always play the four heroes. Uh, remember, there's like those thieves and the, like the big burly guy and the guy with the lantern. Yeah. And I always have to control the um, the monsters, the little tiny yeah. little little guys and then the big guys would come out every once in a while and it was on those big gigantic tiles and there's like a lot of different adventures we play um anyway yeah i don't know i probably should have gotten rid of it but i couldn't because we just love it so much and someday we'll finish gloomhaven someday that is a game we will finish and then maybe we'll go back but anyway as to the the 2.0 i gotta admit i i was heartbroken when i when i heard their plans and it kind of sucked i mean i i i I am not a fan of, hey, let's just reboot the whole thing and start over from scratch. That is not what I want. I wanted something that was 100% backwards compatible. I understand why they don't want to do the pre-painted minis. I was prepared to deal with that. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 the, you know, the fact that they decided to you know, do a, a Fantasy Flight 2.0 really robbed me of a lot of my enthusiasm for it. I mean, I, I'm curious to see because it's a brilliant, brilliant system, and I'm sure it'll be made much, much better. But it was already so good. I don't know. Time will tell. Time will tell. But I, I, yeah, I was a bit brokenhearted with the choices they made. Anyway, Daniel says, Many fans of Rottle Runs Through would agree you've introduced us and inspired us to track down some older titles. Do you ever find yourself seeking out old or out-of-print games? Nope, not really. I, I don't even know if I have any Grail games anymore. There's probably a few of them out there. But at this point, you know, there's too many new games coming out to seek out the old ones. And, uh, I, and I always feel bad whenever I do a run-through for an old game that I know is hard to find. I've actually done a few in the last few months because there were, like, director-level requests for it. And, and always people come out of the woodwork, Why are you telling me about this game I'll never be able to have? <laughs> and, you know, I, mean, I, 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 I know I'm sorry. But folks, don't worry about it. There's a lot of other really great games that are coming out right now. You don't have to get the old ones if you don't want to. Uh, or wait for them to get reprinted with Vassal's Law and all of that stuff. Um, but no, I, I, at this point, I don't need to. I, there's too many new games coming every day. Let's see here. Do you feel you have a pretty solid knowledge of what games have come out already that are worth tracking down? I think I've played most every game I want to play. From I mean, we got into it in 2009. And... In 2009, there I there weren't I don't recall there being any games that I found out about that I at that point I was not able to seek out because 2000 you know uh, 1995 to 2008 there weren't that many games that were really good solid conflict free two player friendly euros that was the exception to the rule 2008 2009 is when there was a fundamental shift and two player gaming became more popular and um you know cutthroatedness in games started tapering off so i don't really feel like i missed out very much i'm i'm we're lucky we got in when we did so and yeah and so yeah i think i've got a pretty good handle cuz i've played most of them i've i've played most everything i've wanted to play that has come out since 2000 say 7 or so what modern board game do you wish 
you had played as a kid instead of Monopoly or, <laughs> or oh, that's a good one. All of them. <laughs> All right. As a kid, honey, in the 70s, picture you and your sister, and I guess your parents, if you could wrangle them, what game would you have wanted to play? Because you have to, you have to put it through the lens as a kid. So I mean, you you just want to say Agricola or something, but I don't know that how. Was, yeah, was, yeah, but of course that would have been or Dungeon very Pets or something. But I don't know. I mean, we get a lot of games in, and we think, oh, if we had kids, this would be a keeper. <clears throat> yeah, I'd really like this game if we had kids. And then we don't have kids, so we promptly forget about yeah, them. Yeah, we totally forget about it, and we <laughs> pass it on. Um, yeah. So that's a really hard one to answer. I'm just gonna say any of the euros because they do teach good critical thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, just even Ticket to Ride. Uh, that would have been amazing to sure. play. Oh, my gosh. Instead of Monopoly, all those games of Monopoly. Yep, all those hours wasted. All righty. It's a good question. I mean, jeez. Yeah, but it's tough. As I, It would have to be lighter. And these days, the lighter games, we play them once or twice and say, okay, forgot about it. Um, let's see. What light games do we really, really like? Off The, t- the first thing that comes into my mind is Avenue. Uh, which Jen doesn't recognize it because she's staring blankly. But if I showed it to her, she'd say, oh, yeah, the one where we draw the roads. And, um, oh, Jump Drive is amazing. I was going to say Escape. Oh, sure. oh, gosh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Escape, Curse of the Temple. Yeah. How would you work? You know, back then in the 70s, would it have come on an 8-track? <laughs> <laughs> Probably would have had to just use sand timers or something. Yeah. But I mean, but but, yeah, but Escape has, uh, yeah, yeah, that's Avenue. Jen's gone to Board Game Geek and looked up Avenue. So you, oh you, yeah, 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 I do enjoy yep, it. Yeah, she's seen it. Yeah, the one where we draw the roads. Yep. Um, yeah, Escape. Boy, that would have been crazy. And you know, back in the seventies, there were, and the early eighties, there were a few games out there that had like electronic components. What was that other one you just said a minute ago that I couldn't visualize? I don't know. What did I say? Oh, I don't know. It was a game. And I said, like, I said Avenue. You did. And you remember. said there was the fourth, the four things. There was a thief and a. Big burly guy, and, and you. Always- oh, claustrophobia! Claustrophobia. Jen's gonna go back and look at claustrophobia. Which, hey, I would have been happy to play claustrophobia. Oh my god, how fun would claustrophobia have been back in the seventies? Back when, um, because they were toys, that it would have had a better production than it did today, because all the miniatures would have come painted even better. Uh, yeah, Jen's looking up. You see, it has these oh, gigantic yeah, yeah, yeah. tiles, yeah. and and they move, and you know, and I just swarm you with all those little guys. Yes. And and then you just have your big guy, and you just take out like a half a dozen of them <laughs> with a single hit. And I'm like, oh, and then you, go, I'm powerful. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's a good question. Let's <laughs> see. Right, and then some non-gaming related questions. So we'll come back to you later, Dan. But let's move on to Joe, who says, or who asks, when you first discovered board games. If Jen had not really enjoyed playing them beyond the occasional game of Pandemic, do you think you would have continued alone and become a solo gamer? Is your love of gaming about the games themselves, interesting designs, brain-burning fun, or is it primarily because it's something you two can enjoy together? Ah, boy. If Okay, so we're, we're on that vacation trip to, to France. We're playing Pandemic, saying, wow, this is a lot of fun. And then we get back home, and Jen says, yeah, I know. Yeah, it was fun while we were on the road, but, I mean, we're back home now. Let's do something else. I got glass to melt. Yeah, what would I have done? Well, coincidentally, at that time, apparently there had been a, there was a group of guys who were playing board games at work when I was working at Splash Damage every day. And I had no idea that they were doing it. 
And were you actually working through lunch? Yes, I always work through lunch. I've never take lunch for 20 years. I never took a lunch. And so I had no idea that there was a small group of five or six guys who almost every day, five days a week, would play something over lunchtime. And so I think it's likely that I would have come back and I would have started playing games with them. So that's like the only time, like I said, in my whole career where I wasn't working through lunch every day. Actually, that's not entirely true, but that's broadly true. And, hmm. But then I would have eventually left. And it's not like I was, yeah. I don't know. I think the answer to your question is no. I, I think really the reason I am into board games is because it's something that I can share as a pastime with Jen. And if she wasn't interested, I, I, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't become a solo gamer at all. I, I, they're fun to do. And, um, you know, obviously I do a lot of solo gaming in the form of filming Rotto runs throughs. That is implicitly a solo activity when it boils right down to it. But no, I don't think so. I, I, I do enjoy them. I absolutely love them. I adore everything about them, but it's it, without Jen in the equation. I don't, I don't think, I don't think it would stick. What about you, honey pie? Would you have sought out a gaming group if we'd come back from France? I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to go back to playing uh, Left 4 Dead and Call of Duty, Honey Pie. No. Um, we can put a pandemic in the attic. What would you have done? I would have melted more glass. All right. You would have walked away too? Yeah. All right. Well, uh, there, uh, that's the tough truth, Joe. Yeah, but the, but now, if if I was to die, you would you would find a gaming group, I'm sure, or something, or somebody to play with. Well, because it's my job, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that I would. Well, I think I would find it would be one of those things. I'd take a yoga class. I'd take a jitterbug class. I'd have a group that I game with. So this is your plan for when I die. Yep. Okay, go on. Because I got to keep busy. Yep. 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 I'm, otherwise, I'll just wallow know, in grief and despair. Yes, melt into a massive yes. misery. So jitterbugs and what else? Oh, a yoga class. A yoga class and a group. weekly board game group. Yeah. All right. Probably gardening group. Probably. Some, something else, active, well, like a walking group. Now that Jen has said that, I feel like I have to find a gaming group when she dies as well, just to honor her memory. Oh, well, there you go. All right. So I guess, wow, Joe, thanks for helping me make the big breakthrough. <laughs> Gracious. Okay. Let's move on to Thomas, who says, if Rotto Runs Through would have to stop right now, what would I be most proud of? Is there something I wish I could have done differently? Wow. Well, I know, I know for a fact what I wish I had done differently. The very, very first run through I did on a whim, without any idea what I was doing, at the end of Helvetia, after I explained how the game plays and did a couple of rounds, I turned that iPhone around to put my big fat face on camera <laughs> and I said, here's what Jen and I think. And I wish I had never done that. I wish I had followed the Rodney Smith approach of not giving personal opinions about the game and instead just just the facts ma'am i um i know i know a lot of people like hearing what i'm saying that's why well the rundowns which you'll be you'll be starting to see soon the rundowns are pretty much nothing but opinion pieces well that's not true either but anyway i i i I am so jealous of rodney he made the right choice by saying right up front i will never tell you what i think about any of these things because that's so much pressure. and um, But what am I most proud of? Oh, I know for a fact. That's, I, well, no, I, I can't name one in particular, but I've gotten so many emails from so many folks who have told me so many incredibly heartwarming and touching stories that, you know, literally just make me cry. Um, you know, like 
final months with my father before he passed and fi- being able to share this and and uh, you know you know finally my, my you know finding something that I can help my my shy um, withdrawn kid come out of come out of her shell and, and we can share something that kind of stuff anytime somebody says I discovered this because of you it breaks me <laughs> me too. It's nice to know you've made a difference is really what we're saying. And this is great. Yeah. Hey, you know what? I'm going to test out this pause button on this uh, iPhone or Android recording thing. Be right back. Okay, we are back. The sausage has been stirred. It was very important that we went and stirred the sausage. That's why we had to to break there momentarily. Yep. Uh, let's see here. So where were we? It was Thomas breaking our hearts with his insightful and thought provoking and emotional questions. Thanks, Tom. Let's see here. And he had more. Uh, if you would have to choose a permanent co-host for the podcast, aside from Jen, who would it be and why? Um. Who would it be and why? Well, putting aside silly stuff, like, you know, big celebrities, or, you know, oh, Barack Obama. Sure, why not? That'd be awesome. Let's just, let's just go with Barack. Yeah, yeah, that'll do. Um, uh, a realistic one. I actually, I've actually thought about this several times. I think I would really enjoy uh, Joel Eddy, Drive Through Review, or uh, Lance Meister. The Undead Viking. I really enjoy talking to both of those guys about games, and I've had the opportunity to, to talk to both of them at great length. And uh, yeah, I, I I think I'd mesh really well with both of them. And I mean, although, gosh, it could be anybody. A, you know, pretty much almost any board game personality. I mean, I've done a lot of co-hosts, and I've had fun doing those when, I, when it's with board game personalities as well. Uh, like, oh, Mina uh, of Mina's Fresh Cardboard. That'd be phenomenal. Or, um, you know, uh, Maggie Bot or, or Tiffany Ralph. Or, ah, I mean, the list is literally a mile long. I, I, I don't think I could pick just one. Although, I guess since my, my literally my first gut response was Joel Eddy, I, I guess maybe that kind of clues you in that I think that would be cool. Uh, but anyway, number three, here are a bunch of rapid fire questions. Just say the first thing that comes into your head. Honey pie. Well, oh, but they're all about games, so you'll probably fail. But try, honey. Try. I'll try. The first thing that comes to your head. And if you don't, if if you can't say the name, I'm covering it up. Jen's like, Jen wanted to look ahead. Ah. <laughs> it has to be the first thing on your head. If you if you can't think of a game, but you can think if you if you can't think of the name of it, you just try and describe what it is. Maybe. Okay, I'll try. We'll see. Okay. But uh, you'll have some time to think about because I'll think of something. So first game comes to your mind when you think of a beautiful game. Ah. Uh, first thing that comes to my mind is Herbaceous Sprouts because we just played that the other day. Yeah. And it was pretty, although Herbaceous was much prettier. Um, but, oh, man. What was that white gallery game? The white gallery game. Yeah, I remember everything on it's white and it's a gallery and you move people from the foyer. And- the gallerist. Okay. All right, that's a good one. Yep, all right. A game that is uh, good but ugly. Oh, gosh, there's a few of those. Um. There, um, it's like the Laura Ingalls Wilder game. It's an old West one, and the artwork on it is just. Well, who's Laura Ingalls Wilder's? Oh, you don't know who Laura Ingalls Wilder is? Um, do you mean Little House on the Prairie? Yeah, Little House on the oh, Prairie. Oh, okay. You're talking about Walnut Grove. Walnut Grove's good looking. It's not ugly. Walnut Grove is not ugly at all. 
Now she's going to go on board game. You can look up Walnut Grove. Walnut Grove is not an ugly game well, at all. I'm thinking of something else that's you must less be many. you must be thinking of something else. Yeah, because uh, that's Clemens Franz. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you if you think it's ugly, you think Agricola is ugly. No, it's it's something else. It's it's something that's very kind of hand drawny feeling, um, and very it's little house in the prairie. Yeah, I can't. I wouldn't know. We play hundreds of games. Yeah, we do. Actually, nothing comes to my mind. Um, you know, honestly, it's hard for me to think of any game as ugly when it boils right down to it because I worked so closely with artists for 20 years. And so I always just tend to try to see the good in, um, stuff anyway, a game that, ha- that had potential, but is somewhat flawed. Um, the flawed game I always think of was Hengist because actually that was actually a really cool little idea of a game. I don't know if you remember it. It had this really cool little Viking boat that you got on, and the Vikings came off, and and you had to put the tiles down that indicated how the 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 paths from the beach to the paths from the villages they want to raid were, yeah. and you didn't know what the paths were going to be. I thought that was a really cool core idea, but man, it was maybe the worst game we played in years. Yeah, and it was especially disappointed because it was a Feld game or something. Uh, it was a, a Uwe Rosenberg game. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So, uh, gosh, yeah, even Jen remembers it. A funny game. Oh, I was still looking at this, trying to find a Western game that... You're trying to find it? You will find it no matter what? I don't know. I have no idea. It might have been a prototype, too. It could very well have been. It might have been a prototype, yeah. Okay. But anyway, a funny game, Honey Pie. Oh, I love Dungeon Pets, of course. I was uh, Dungeon Pets was the first thing I it's thought of, It's got poop in it! Yes, it's got poop, and we tell funny stories every time we play it. Yeah. Um, uh, perfect. I, I also like like the CVs and stuff, because we, we make those funny. <laughs> those are funny, yes. Yeah, 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 definitely. Okay. Yep, they tell funny stories. Uh, 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 I agree with both your choices. A perfect game. That would be Agricola when everything comes to fruition. <laughs> when, it, when it goes right, it's yep. perfect. And it's when it goes wrong, perfect. it's a uh, uh, perfect three game. three hours wasted, but yeah. Hmm. Perfect game. Jump drive. Um, let's see. A badly themed game. Badly thing game. I guess that means... Uh, oh, that stupid metal rock and roll thing. Perfect, yes. Thrash and roll. Oh, my God. The wor- most poorly chosen theme for one of the better dice worker placement roll games. Yeah. And a great game that is too long. There's quite a few of those. Uh, I wish Gloomhaven wasn't so long, to be honest. Yeah? Um, any game that's too long, I wish wasn't so long. Any that could be any game that's over three hours, quite frankly. Let's see, and uh, you, you'd Jen's having to look up Jump Drive. It's obviously it's not a very memorable name, but you'd as soon as we started playing it, you played it for two I remember seconds. Remember the, these little discs? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, those get used in Roll for the Galaxy and Race for the Galaxy and Jump Drive. Jump Drive is like the really fast card only version of uh, Roll for the Galaxy. Oh, okay. You only play. I think it plays for like five rounds. It's over in ten minutes. You just build up really fast. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. If you um, if you would have to pick a game that represents the most the values and principles of what you and Jen are looking for, what would it be? What game most represents the valuable the values and principles that we are looking for? Oh, that would have to be something with a egalitarian society and harmony and I. I'm going to say, and then we held hands. Aww. Aww. Well, just because um, empathy is the key to everything. 
Empathy is the key to our survival as a species mm-hmm. and our forward mm-hmm. progress as a society. And a really different game. I was really, really tickled that David made Oh, yeah. It was just a very cool little puzzle little puzzle yeah, game. Yeah, but totally different from anything else yeah, yeah. that I've played, anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I, I look forward to everything yeah. David Chirkop makes. <laughs> everything. Everything. Um, and, yeah, but, the, you know, the, the, just the fact that it was a game... To, to be successful, force you to look at the situation from the perspective of your partner. That's what makes that beautiful. And it's not the only game that does that, but it's the first one that popped into my head. So, uh, let's see. What will be the advantages of doing Rado Runs Through in the U.S. of A? Getting games will be a lot easier. Yeah. Um, definitely. Although, getting games from European or American publishers, European publishers will probably get a lot harder. Uh, because I won't. I mean, when I go to Essen, I literally carry back probably sixty percent of all the games I'm going to cover over the course of the year, or I mail it back. And being in America, that's not going to be quite as easy to do that. So actually, that's. I guess maybe it's a wash on being able to get games. Uh, go to Essen this year? Are we just going to pay for extra baggage then? It'd be a lot. It would be a crazy lot. Well, it'd be less than. I don't know. I don't know. Um, that's a big if we even go though. Let's see here. What else? Well, are we're hoping to get at least a three-bedroom. A three-bedroom with a garage. So Jen can take over the garage and do her glasswork because she needs a lot of ventilation. It's tough for her to do it inside the house. And so that I can actually have a room devoted to filming because Jen and I will have a room. My mom will have a room. And then there will be a room where I film in. So if that if we could pull that off and we don't get stuck with a two bed, I think you just said I have a room and your mom gets a room and then you're going to fill in the room. So apparently you're sleeping <laughs> no, on the couch. Oh no, no, <laughs> yeah, no. he's going to sleep in the car outside. <laughs> the dogs will be on the bed. Oh, with I'll me. sleep with all my games, my, my true loves. <laughs> no, no. Um, if we get stuck with a two bedroom, that'll be kind of a bummer. I'm really hoping that we can find a good, affordable three bed that has either a, a nice. You know, shed, shed shop or a garage for Jen, yeah. So that I could have a one hundred percent devoted filming room because it is such a pita to have to film in the kitchen or the living room and set up and tear down every single time. I am so jealous of of Rodney and Tom and folks who just like, oh no, yeah, the cameras—they're just always set up all the time. I just got to put the game on the table and go. As um, you know, I mean, literally it sometimes it is harder for me to get the game uh set up and filmed and cuz we got to clear the room out and clear the table off and man, well, at least when we had that the two-decker table, I mean, I could just keep the game set up and then mm-hmm. um, you know, and then we because we, we had the, the two-in-one table. tables, but yeah. I I I I I hope that we'll be able to find a place that gives me a dedicated room to film because that would be awesome beyond belief. Is it still the plan to review lighter games to play with Jen and your mom? Uh, yeah. Obviously, I'd, I was a bit presumptuous when I said, yeah, we're going to do a lot more gateway games because I want to play them with my mom a lot. I, I don't know if that's true. I, mean, I think that's a possibility. Depends on her, though. Um, maybe she just wants to sleep all day and watch her soaps. I have no idea. Actually, we do know one thing. Apparently, as we were talking with her last night, about, you know, where should we move, Mom? Do you have anything? And, you know, it was very hard to get her to say anything other than just whatever you guys need, whatever you guys need, you know, you know, understandably. But she did say one thing when I, when I mentioned that we were thinking about Arizona. Um, uh, she's like, well, you know, I've always wanted to grow okra. 
And, you know, she's lived most of her adult life in either, you know, in, in the Pacific Northwest. And so, and she, she can only grow the cold weather crop, she said. <laughs> and she really loves the idea of growing tomatoes and okra specifically because she loves okra. I remember we grew up in Northern California and she would just eat okra raw right off of the vine or out of the ground or wherever the heck it came from. I always found it was disgusting. <laughs> Jen, my mom loves okra. So, uh, I'm sorry, what was the even the question? Oh, that's getting way out. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it, it, it depends on her. It's, it's certainly a possibility. But we'll see. It, it's it, it that might be another change. It could be. What changes, if any, would you make to your must-have top ten list? If I were to go back and revisit my top ten must-have games, uh, Gloomhaven would be on it definitely. I'd have to go back and look. Let's take a looky loo right now by doing a Google search for Rado with one hand top ten must. Have I generally don't even remember. I mean, I did that like, what, must have been three or four years ago, right? In 2015, I did this list. And if I expand the show notes to see the list, I will get to that shortly. Here it is. And the answers are... Yeah, I mean, yeah, claustrophobia was on the list. Obviously, Gloomhaven kicks claustrophobia off the list. Jaipur, yeah, I think that would stay. CV... Uh, I don't know. I, I really love CV, but it is a little long. And for what it does, you know, something like Avenue or another roll and write might be a better choice. But oh man, it's so great though. Paperback? No, that'd probably stay. Forbidden Desert? I was a bit sad. I mean, I really do like it. Glory to Rome? That would probably stay. Trajan would stay. Shadow and Crossfire would stay. Burgundy would stay. Twa would stay. So. I think paperback would stay. I think CV would stay. I think it might. The only change might be uh, claustrophobia out Gloomhaven in. Might be. Might be the case. Oh, you're making the tough questions there, buddy. Thomas, you're killing me. All right. And then Thomas has some non-game related questions, which we'll come back to shortly. But in the meantime, Curtis says, this deserves so much more attention than it's getting. Thanks to certain people for spreading the word to my eyes and ears. Do your part. And help board games geek, help board games reach even more horizons. Uh, so uh, Curtis doesn't have a question, but you know he sent this to me, and I thought, wow, you're right. Uh, I have a platform. I should talk about this now. Uh, I just looked, actually, yeah, I, I looked before we started filming. Um, for three more days on crowdfunder.co.uk, there is a crowdfunding uh, project. Uh, it, it's actually, it's actually crowdfunder.co.uk slash Uganda dash village dash board dash game dash convention. Uh, but those are linked for it in the show notes here, folks, if you love board games and I think you might, if you're listening to this podcast somehow, and you really want to do some good that is very, very board game centric, go check that link out. There's only three days left, maybe two by the time I post this, but it is a group of kids uh, and adults in Uganda raising funds to put on a uh, village board game convention. It's their second one they've done, and I mean, when I first saw this on Twitter, and Curtis reached out to me and told me about about it and he said hey could you spread the word about this i'm like yes i totally should this looks absolutely amazing i 
I cannot stress strongly enough. Please go check it out. Please consider giving. I know I started this entire podcast talking about, hey, go check out patreon.com slash Rotto. But on some level, before you do that, go check out these kids, um, you know, looking to bring games into their lives and making their lives better. It's absolutely phenomenal. It's inspirational. I strongly suggest, again, crowdfunder.co.uk slash Uganda dash village dash board dash game dash convention. Or again, check the show notes on this show. There's just a couple days left to help them reach their goals. They, 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 they've, they've hit their goal, but... Um, let's get them some more money so they can get more games and have a better time. Oh my gosh. Uh, it's just so heartwarming looking at the pictures here. Definitely check it out, folks. All right. And thank you, Curtis, for making me aware. Uh, as soon as he said that, I was like, yes, I totally have to talk about this in the next podcast. Um, but it came a bit later than I thought. So go check it out, folks. Anywho. Right. So where was I? Shannon. Three questions. Given the power, what game would you demand an expansion for? You know, actually, I'm, I'm almost positive I've done a top 10 on this, uh, Shannon. Just do a search for Google search for Rado top 10 need expansion. I, I guarantee you'll find it. It's maybe a little out of date now, but I'd probably still stand by it. Um, let me see if I could think about it. I, I know Star Trek Expeditions is, de- I, I was definitely on that list. I remember talking about it. So, but you, you can find out nine more in addition to that. Question number two, how do you feel about the more minis, less gameplay trend for big Kickstarters? Um, I, I don't think it, I, I don't think it's the fact that there are more minis that make, uh, the games you're talking about have less gameplay. Even if they were cardboard standees or meeples, they'd have the same amount of gameplay because there are people who like Really light, simple dice festathons like Zombie Side or what have you. And I don't. To answer your question, I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. Hey, if if people are having fun playing it, who am I to judge? If you like the Ghostbusters miniature board game, great. Have fun playing it. Uh, more power to you. Um, who cares whether there's a lot of plastic in it or not? Um, so. <laughs> does more minis implicitly mean less gameplay? I don't know that there's a direct correlation. Or if there is a correlation, certainly no causation between the two because, or if anything, yeah, we're putting a lot of minis in here to, to, to cast a wide net, to draw more people in, which means we want to make a broader, more accessible game that more people can play. That just makes perfect sense to me. So knock yourself out. Don't get me wrong. I love deep, heavy, thinky games. I would still like to have a lot of plastic miniatures in them too. Um, so uh, that's a, that, you know, that, that'd be our like sweet spot. Let's see here. Uh, what show or IP would you love to see a game or a better game made for? What TV show? Okay, I feel like this has been asked before. Mm. Can you think of a TV show you'd like to play the board game of, Honey Pie? Can't think of nothing. Uh, I can't think. Can of you think of a TV show you like? Yeah, the Silly People. <laughs> Jen is uh, addicted to Brooklyn Nine Nine at the moment. Da 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 da. Yeah, every night we have to watch like three episodes because we're catching up on five seasons worth of shows. Uh, so you would like Brooklyn Nine Nine, the board game, is what no, you're saying? No, you just said to think of a TV show. All right. Well, I honestly, I don't see why you couldn't make a card game or a silly little dice game out of that. Okay. All right. Um, there you go. Uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine, the, the the dice game. Okay, uh, and um, finally, Wally from Belgium says, "We w- would like to know if we've ever experienced something like the following: after our twentieth game of Gloomhaven, 
or this is them. After their 20th game of Gloomhaven, which they successfully finished, his wife burst into tears. Not just uh, a bit, but really crying. Uh, she had to announce that her board game character, Jambala, a spellweaver, had to retire and leave us. I guess they kept it secret. That's an optional rule. We, we're open about it, but you can keep it a secret what, when you're going to retire. Uh-huh. So she had to announce she had to retire and leave us. She was so in love and uh, immersed with, the, with this alter ego that she had created and even did her first paint job on that uh-huh. she couldn't imagine continuing without her. It was a real and painful goodbye. Um, he's noticed the extraordinary amount of pure love for board game, board game characters that I capture on film. Uh, and uh, you, you can see it in, let's see, oh, and he linked to something. Let's see, sure. All right, all right, all right, what is this going to be? Oh, we're going to his OneDrive. Oh, what's it's, it's like a present. What's going to be here when I get here? I don't know. <laughs> It's oh, oh it's a video. Oh, oh, it's a, it's a oh my gosh. I, I think they made a video for saying goodbye to Jambala. Yes, they did. Oh my gosh. Ah! <laughs> wow. There's the moment. So in the middle of your wife's distress, there's Jambala, her first paint job. And she's and I can see wow. Oh my gosh. Wow. Um okay. Thank you for sharing that. Wow. Okay. Um, is this something that's already happened to you or more probably to Jen? I think I recollect that she also experienced this in Dungeon Pets, also one of our favorite games, uh, where when you have to sell one of your monster pets, uh, all right, or, or, or how you refuse to play a certain game, a game because of the theme because you're overwhelmed with it. Honey pie. Um, Wally wants to know about emotional responses to board games. Well, I can. And he uh, prefaced it with video of his wife crying. Yes, that was very touching. <laughs> yes, um, I, I had a very similar response. I didn't want to retire my um, first character either, and I didn't want my husband to retire his either. I mean, yeah. I was went kicking and screaming. I was, I was vehemently. Uh, but I, no, no, I said that wrong. I was actively trying to retire as fast as I could because I wanted to put new stuff in the game and experience all that. And Jen's like, no, just one more adventure with the, with the two, with our two starters. And, um, and actually, uh, it, it, it turned out to be a problem because the thing is, if you keep that character around too long, they get to the point where they're so incredibly overpowered that nothing can stop them. Um, because you know, the, the monsters scale up with the, ba- with the heroes too, but the heroes just get so insane because the game's clearly designed to get you to retire them. Um, so you don't stay high level very long. But then the other problem is once they reach their maximum level, suddenly it becomes very boring to play them because they can't achieve. They can't right. earn anything more. Yep. And Jen's like, I'm going to make it all the way. And now that I'm here, I'm arrived. It's going to be amazing. And it's like, oh, my God, this is terrible. Oh. And, uh, yeah, so that was a, a rude awakening for Jen. So now she's a little bit more ready to bid a, bon- a, a, a fond farewell because we've been through, I think, like three characters apiece now. Yeah. Something like that. Yep. Um, but, but you never forget your first. You never forget your first. So the game you're talking about is Village. The Jen, we both think, is a great game, but Jen just refuses to play because she does not like the idea of making strategic decisions that lead to the death of her of her villagers, uh, of this family that she's responsible for shepherding through multiple generations. And, um, yeah, I mean, gosh, I mean, you could probably just do a Google search for Rado Cries and see lots of videos that I've cried over while filming. Um, it's funny, though, you say Jen probably. Uh-uh. Me probably. I'm the softy. 
I'm the one who turns on the waterworks at the drop of a hat. <laughs> uh, I, I can't tell you how many movie trailers I've seen that make me cry. You know, I, I, I'll cry in 30 seconds from, from, you know, from a dry eye. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just something about me. I always have. Um, so, yeah, both Jen and I, we definitely get involved. Um, let's see. Uh, but although, I mean, no, that was that was really something amazing, that, that video you shared. I, I don't know that we very – I mean, that was really powerful. I don't think uh, anything quite like that. And I totally get it. I mean, yeah, I can see 20 games in, 20 games with that character. Yeah. Loved her so much she painted her. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. And that's a testament to how amazing Gloomhaven is, quite frankly. Uh, it's why it deserves to be at the top of the board game geek list. It is why, yeah, it's an amazing game. Alrighty, so that is it. We have finished the game-related questions. And so, folks, we're almost out of here. We're going to go on to the personal questions. And to be honest, there aren't very many. So we're going to be in and out pretty quick. Hold on, everybody. We'll be right back. Okay, folks, back in time for the personal Q&A, starting with Daniel, who had that killer question about what game did we want from the 70s when we were kids. <laughs> yeah. uh, but anyway, so now, non-gamer questions. Honey, what food or other comforts are you enjoying while being back in England? Fish pie. Fish pie. I love fish pie. Um, that's my favorite thing. Um, I love British sausage. Mm-hmm. They do a mighty fine job of making a very tasty sausage. Yeah. Um, Although a particular type, the standard British sausage you hate. Yeah. Because it has what? What's it? Rusk. It has rusk. It, you know the, the the traditional sausage that has that rusky. Well, I mean, what you'd call it? It's, other, it's like a mealy thing. Yeah. It's like, I don't mean yeah, Jen can't stand that. Yeah. But there are so many specialty sausages you can get from everywhere. Oh man, it's a different sausage every day here. In the Rado household. What else? Uh, gosh, I'm really enjoying being back in my workshop. Of course, obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, actually, we've taken up running. There's this thing uh, in England called the Couch to 5K. And they do that in nine weeks. They take you through and they've got a podcast thing that you pay attention to. And um, so we've just finished our first week of that. And I used to run when I was in England. And so I'm back on my old running trails and I love it. Yes, I don't know that I view that as a comfort, but I have agreed to go along. This is the first time I've done any significant exercise since high school, and I do not like it, but I need it because I'm getting old and fat. So, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't necessarily have called that a comfort. Uh, let's see, other comforts that I'm enjoying. Uh, ben and Jerry's ice cream that doesn't cost nine euros a pint. Which, and, of course, and that's why he's getting fat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know, gosh. The first week we got back, oh and we're like, oh, my God. God, we can just order, and they'll just deliver to We don't even have to go yeah. to Tesco. And Jen just made this big order, and I think we got, like, 20. 10, I don't know. I, I, there was a second order. Yeah, because so. there was a first order and a second order. So, like, yeah. in the first week, we ordered, like, 20 tubs of various and sundry ice creams. And they, they were gone in a week, folks. I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed to tell you. Yeah, and I was, also, mine was medicinal because I had the flu or it's something. It's true. There you go. Yes. Um, so a really great, awesome selection of ice cream. And I know that's nothing compared to what's waiting for us back in the old continental U.S. It's, it's because of this. It's because of that deluge of ice cream. And the first thing we got here and I realized, oh, my gosh, the only way I've been able to stay slim for all these years is because we were living in Malta 
and there just wasn't enough good choice uh, of what I wanted to eat. Now that there is, I got to do something. So yeah, and I, I wasn't paying cream. nine euros for a pint of Ben and Jerry's except on birthdays. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's crazy. Yep. Yeah, we always talked about how cheap the cost of living was in Malta. That's true for most things, but not some creature comforts. Ben and Jerry's being uh, chief among them. Let's see what other comforts have I had. Uh, it's really nice being back in our house. This is such a wonderful house. But that's about it for me. You think of anything else? Mm, no. All righty. I guess other than it's just nice to be back where you know where stuff is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's comforting. All right. Honey Pie, what are some shows or movies that we're watching these days? Oh, well, we've got the silly people. All right, yeah. <laughs> Again, previously referred to as Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Let me, let me go on ahead and take a look, because I maintain a list of shows. I mean, actually, yeah, Jen's not watching very much, because we're kind of in between shows that she wants to see, because she does not like the heavy or the dark or the... Uh, Serious type things. So, I mean, um, I'm loving Billions and Homeland. I I, I don't understand the Homeland here. I think that show is phenomenal. And let's see. Oh, I I haven't watched Westworld yet. And what else have we got? Oh, Handman's Tale. I haven't. Oh, oh, we're watching Survivor. We both love Survivor. Oh, Archer just started. Uh, Jen loves Designated Survivor and she loves Timeless. And she loves, what's the other one? The Tattoo Girl. Oh, Blind. Blind Spot. Yeah, Jen likes the old, here's a person in a strange circumstance who has to solve crimes and help people every week. <laughs> Jen just loves that formula. She'd yeah. be a, she'd be watching The Fugitive if it was the 70s or the 60s. Um, uh, you know, so she really likes that. Uh, AP Bio, Atlanta. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is almost over. I've been enjoying that. Jen finally got off the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. train. That was heartbreaking. I'm still enjoying it. Yeah, they just went too weird for me at the beginning of the season. (laughs) Yeah, tons of stuff. Uh, Tons of stuff for me, not so much for Jen. And let's see, what movies have we watched? We watched, oh, we did watch Last Jedi again. Um, And Jen did have a... uh, It was better. Without being blasted out of the yes. room. No, I believe you said after it was over, that was okay. Yeah, that was pretty good. You were positive about it. There was nowhere to go but up. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying you didn't like it still? No, it was all right. It's just, yeah, I don't know. Uh, apparently, I had to record this podcast right after we watched it. Because right after we watched it, she was pretty glowing. I don't know what's happened in, um, in the last week or so. But that's, I think that's the only movie we've watched recently. Oh, Jen just bumped. Um, well, we just watched one last night. Oh, the uh, Despicable, Despicable Me 3. Whatever. Yeah. Jen loves seeing Gru say Goyles. I think that's <laughs> the only reason we watch those movies. It's just so that he will occasionally say Goyles. Goyles! Jen gets a kick out of that. Yeah. I mean, they're beautifully animated, so I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's mostly just been TV. And a lot, 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 lot of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I'm trying to get her to transition over to Parks and Rec, because I will happily watch that entire show from beginning to end again. Yeah, that'll be after we're done with the silly people. All right. Um, But we have been spending so many hours on Zillow. Yes. That that's basically been the vast majority of our screen time. Yep, yep. And yeah, that is certainly true. Uh, What service were you using in Malta, if you don't mind sharing, to access... 
U.S. web content like Netflix. I used to use, I don't remember it now, I've gone through two different things that were just DNS rerouters because they worked for the longest time. Um, I thought one was called like, like unblock me or something like that. But eventually it got to the point where Netflix got too smart for them and it wouldn't work. So I eventually, you know, I, I forget what they were. They, they were like cost four or five bucks a month and they just give you a new DNS address that makes it look like you're in the States. Those eventually stopped working reliably. So I have actually switched over to, oh, where is it? Um, um, a, a full VPN, Nord VPN, N-O-R-D VPN. I've been using that now and uh, it seems to work really well. Haven't had any problems with it. And so, yeah, that, I, I highly recommend them. I wonder if they have a referral program. If there's a referral program for Nord VPN, you will find a link for it in the show notes of this very episode. <laughs> uh, if you go check it out, give me some credit. If they have a referral program, I don't know if they do or not. Um, oh, Unotelly. I used to use Unotelly. And I remember I, ta- I told everybody about it, and I did do the referral program on that. But like I said, eventually, Netflix got around it, and it wouldn't work to unlock the U.S. Netflix anymore. So that's when I had to switch over to full VPN. I remember years ago I tried VPNs, and they were just terrible. They were so slow, and they really just drug everything down. But um, NordVPN, I've been incredibly impressed by. It's installed on both of our phones, so we can use it for Pandora. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy with them. I think I signed up for a full year. All righty. Uh, are you enjoying the time off from Rado Runs Through? What? What time off? Uh, is your life so insane right now with moving and other responsibilities? You're all over the place mentally and emotionally. And uh, yeah, I, I, it turns out I'm not taking any time off. Uh, I, it's not as much, but we've still been playing games. I've still been filming games. And so I can't really say. I think, depending on what happens with the move... Because I don't know if I mentioned this at the start. If you want to know more, you can check out the Rotto Runs Through Live that we just did on International Tabletop Day. It's number 15, I think, where we played through Habitats. After the run-through is over, we answered this question, what's happening? Everything is blown up. Our entire move has changed. We are not moving to Seattle anymore because we ultimately decided we could not kick the people out of the house we own there that have been living there for 14 years. And we just couldn't bring ourselves to do it, to force them to move because, you know, they did nothing wrong. They've been, they've taken good care of the house. They're nice, good people. And so we've decided, okay, we can't move. We can't, we can't stick with our original plan. And so because of that, we don't know where we're going. We don't know what we're doing. That's what Jim was talking about. We are literally, you know, living on Zillow for the last <laughs> uh, week, or so, yeah, right? week or so, trying to find something. Or no, don't get me wrong. Finding tons of stuff, trying to narrow it down, uh, trying to find something that gives that three bedroom, like the the house in Seattle would have, uh, that you know fits the you know that works for my mom, works for Jen, and me. I'm pretty easy going, and uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if we still don't have it figured out by the time we get there, and we're going to have to be making all these trips, in addition to getting mom settled, getting her house cleared out, and all of that. We're probably going to have to be doing um, house hunting trips and whatnot, too. So I expect late June and maybe July, I might have to test the Patreon system of, right, I'm going to turn off the show for a month. Nobody gets charged. Don't worry. We'll be back a month from now and just stop Rado runs through altogether. We'll see. I don't know if that will really happen or not. Don't say altogether. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just for the month, I mean. I might not have to, though, because before I left Malta, I went on a filming 
super spree. Uh, I just went absolutely crazy uh, and a bit, for a big part because so many of the games we were getting rid of, I wanted to film them before they were gone. So I've got a backlog of a bunch of games. And so if I can keep filming while we're here, then I think that means over the month of June and July, I'll be able to unleash all of those videos. So you'll suddenly see the videos taking place in Malta again. Because I because I filmed the months ago. We did not ago. move back. No, we did not move back. Because our stuff's on the way to the <laughs> exactly, Seattle. exactly. It's on the way to Seattle, which is unlikely where we're ultimately going to live. So that's an exciting um, thing to worry about as well. All righty. So um, final question: How are we both so awesome? Winky smiley face. <laughs> How are we supposed to answer that question? Well, we got to use the winky smiley face. I'm taking it. It's not a serious question <laughs> okay. because if he'd been serious with the question, I would have been able to answer it uh, with due diligence and um, full verisimilitude. Those are entirely incorrect terms for that. But I'll just move on to Thomas, who had some non-game related questions. He doesn't think we ever talked about this. How uh, How is it to have tenants on different continents? Any stories that we'd like to share? Wow. Yes. Um, you start. Um, oh, yeah. Well, I think we mentioned before, and certainly we did in the live run-through the other day, I mean, the, the house in Seattle we bought in our 20s. Jen had just gotten a big bonus from the jewelry store she was working for. No. Or no, what was it that you sold your share of it or something? No. Remember, Paul and I started a business yes. called Northwest Market. Yes. And I sold him my half of that. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so she got a big boost from that and I got my yearly big bonus working at Nintendo. And so we had enough for a down payment in our early mid twenties, which was amazing. Yeah, and so we bought that house in South Seattle. We were in twenty, yeah, twenty-two years old. Yeah, twenty-two years old. It was absolutely amazing. This uh, circumstance come up, and so we bought it, and we've had it ever since. And uh, we've had two sets of tenants or three sets of tenants. Mm, I think maybe, three. I think maybe four. Because four sets. There was that weird guy who stole electricity and grew pot in the attic. Yes, the main one was the the the. I think it was a couple of guys, wasn't it? I think it was two guys, two yeah. single guys, and unbeknownst to us, they were growing and distributing marijuana out of our attic. And we had no idea until our neighbors called us, because we were living in Oregon at the time, and told us, hey, the, the sheriff's office just asked if, we could, if they could set up a sting operation to, because they want to seize your house. We thought you should know. We're like, yeah, thanks. And I, I totally forgot about that, that they were also stealing electricity from the yeah. grid. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was the guy... Well, they didn't want to pay for the electricity for all that pot growing. Exactly. Those grow lights ain't cheap. Um, of course, nowadays, it'd be totally fine because it's uh, totally legal. Uh, what a difference a few decades makes. Hey, you know what? I just found Malta, Idaho on Zillow. Uh-oh. There's one house for sale. Uh-huh. It's a, it's a four-bedroom, two-bath um, manufactured home for $90,000. All right. <laughs> we, could, we could stay in Malta. There you go. It wouldn't be quite the same, but... Not quite, no. Not much ocean view, I don't think. No. Let's see here. Uh, yeah. Um, so there was also the guy who decided... You know, it's a three-bedroom, one bath. But it, it could be... There could be an extra half bath because there's a closet. Then when we moved in, it was plumbed, ready to be turned into, you know, basically a, a, a toilet room, a water closet. And we never got around to it while we lived there. But it's always something we've meant to do. But in the meantime, the guy who was staying decided, hey, you know what? The room that was adjoining that closet, this closet is totally wasted. I'm going to tear the wall down and extend this room into there. And I'm not going to tell anybody. 
Yeah. And you guys will just be happy that we did it. And in fact, you'll pay me for the labor of having done it. <laughs> and, we're like, and fortunately, we found out the, what his plans were before he got too terribly far. I didn't even know wh- how that happened. Um, was it was it just a coincidence that you were inspecting it? And you said, hey, what's, what, what are you what doing over here? What are you preparing to do here? This, what is this? Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, somehow. Something happened. Um, and. That was a long time ago. The first person that moved into the house immediately after we, we left was great. And she stayed for, I think she, she was, was a single Boeing. mom working at Boeing. Yeah. 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 And she was there for two or three years. She was awesome. And then we had a couple of real, oh my gods. Yep. And then we have this family that's moved in and has been there for like 14 years. Yeah. And they've now. been fantastic. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, long story short, it's a problem. <laughs> Bad things will happen, particularly if it's in a. I mean, I, I assume these kind of things wouldn't happen if it was a if we had a mansion on Mercer Island that we were renting to rich people or something like yeah, that. Probably not. But uh, yeah, as you might imagine, Singing Up's House is our our first starter home in South Seattle um, that we bought for a very very low price. It's not necessarily the 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 most upscale neighborhood, and so we don't necessarily attract the most upscale. Uh, tenants, but yeah, like the, the family who's there now, they're they're great. We really like them. All righty. Um, since this is the last podcast, although as I mentioned up front, it is no longer the last podcast. Oh, can we finally do our review of the Last Jedi? Well, I thought. I don't know. I swear, folks. After we watched it, she was very positive, and I don't know what's made her cool on it now. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I just. I guess I just don't care. I don't have a passion for it. Um, I just think it's okay. I'm very meh. But I'm not negative anymore, which I was very negative before. So. All right, I swear. She said that was a good movie. You know, you know, or she she was definitely upbeat, positive after we watched it. But apparently, uh, it fades. Um, for myself, uh, you know what? The thing is, I don't know if you're aware of the Alaboom, which is a weekly show on YouTube. That put on by Lance Meister, the Undead Viking, and a bunch of people come on and just talk about. Pop culture and board games and whatever. And I, Lance hates The Last Jedi with a passion. Uh, absolutely despises it. And uh, you know, an episode can't go by where he doesn't spend at least five minutes talking about how much he hates it, even though it's been months now. <laughs> and I have promised him that when we get to the States, I am going to come on the show and will devote an entire show to me defending it and him trying to tear it down. Because having watched it again here, I like it. Every time I watch it, I like it more. Um, and I, yeah, I, I think it's an absolutely, it's, it's certainly not flawless. I, 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 I think Hux was a bit too cartoony and they didn't need to. I understand why they did it, but I wasn't crazy about that. There's a few little things I'm really not crazy about, but on the whole, I thought it was really spectacular. For my money, one of the best Star Wars films of all time. Um, you know, just like a, a, a cut above the majority of the other films in the entire franchise. And yeah, so I don't know if it makes much sense to really dig deep into it now. If Jen was up for it, if, if, if we asked this the morning after, I think Jen would have had something to say, but... I guess she's just too much into Brooklyn Nine-Nine now. Noise. So, uh, coming back to Shannon, Jen mentioned her EverQuest habit last episode. <laughs> I have to know if she can remember what race class and what server. Oh, gosh. Oh, the server. That's the question. I yeah, you know what your race class oh, was. Totally. It was a wood elf. Yeah, you were a wood elf ranger. Yep. And you were a member. Oh, and, and I was a... Uh, um, oh... Um, the, uh, there was the other class because I had two. I, I had a ranger when I was playing with you, 
And then I had the... Um, whoa, 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 what? No, you know, there was Jennifer. Yeah, Jennifer was your character. That was your, that was your, um, your Wood Elf Ranger. No, I also had a um, druid. No, a druid, whatever the one that can tra- teleport people. I have no I this I didn't know about. Oh, I'll have to now go to EverQuest and figure out what they actually called it. But Oh, well, it's um, probably a druid. Okay. Uh yeah. But I know I okay. Um I, I don't remember what server we were on at all. No. Um Jen was a member, a long standing member of the Sylvan Rangers. Yes. Which I think was one of the bigger guilds on whatever server she was on. So maybe you could look it up that way. Or, although I wouldn't be surprised if the Silver and Rangers was oh, probably here, across here's multiple the servers. Silver names. Let me see if there's anything that. I mean, but this is so old. They, they might be. It might not be anymore. Tunair? Maybe. Familiar? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe you should just try logging in. See if your character's still there. God, I don't even know what my login stuff would be. <laughs> I think it must have been. I mean, that's the only one that looks familiar. All right. We'll say it was Tenere. Somewhat related, what class do you each prefer in pen and paper RPGs? We don't play any pen and paper RPGs. Neither Jen nor I have ever played a pen and paper RPG in our lives. Um, when I was a teenager or a preteen living on the boat in Central California with no social life whatsoever, I bought a bunch of D&D books and I spent hours poring over all of them and coming up with dungeon designs and making characters and, and but never actually playing them because I had no one to play them with. Um, but it, just in general, Honey Pie, so in fantasy role-playing scenarios, be them video or board game, what do you err towards? Um, sorry, I'm looking up <laughs> I'm looking at my thing. Can you can you talk to it talk to him for just a minute? <laughs> okay. Yeah, Jen's now digging deep into it EverQuest. It must have been a druid, because I... Well, it's what you remembered. Yeah. Do a search for I mean well, I mean you have to know whichever you, you, you had it because because you wanted to teleport, right? Yeah. Because that's why you mentioned it. So you made a character specifically just to be a teleport bot. Yep. For your guild, I bet. Oh, yeah. It was very handy. Yep. Uh, um, but you couldn't teleport yourself. I could. Of course I could. But you can't. You couldn't they log in be... as your main character. So no, that you no, had no. To have that's a, true. Yes. It was so you had to have a druid friend. I guess so. Well, after you left, I played mostly as the druid. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I had no idea. Yep, so I was very, ha- I was very helpful to my guild. Not that Shannon cares, but I was a halfling cleric. <laughs> he was named adorable. Rado. This is where Rado comes from. Yep. Uh, let's see. Uh, all right, so Jen's now just gone down this rabbit hole, oh, yes. which is good because it's taken her away from Zillow for a little bit. But uh, <laughs> anyway, I will answer for Jen. She always goes for ranger types. Uh, anything that has a pet is just an immediate must for her, and she generally tends to go for for beautiful elves. Yep, given her, elves. given her druthers, yeah, and um, I'm not particularly picky. I can be anything. When we played MMOs, I always chose halflings or dwarves, mostly because I'm I'm so tall in real life. I really got a kick out of being short in a virtual world, and I guess maybe that still carries oh, over. Fen and Roe. Fen and Roe, yes, Fen and Roe was your guildmaster. Oh my gosh, Jen has stumbled across the original from website from 1999. Oh wait, no, no, she's come across somebody looking for it. There it is. There, there's the archive. Oh my gosh. Jen is going back to the old Sylvan Rangers. Maybe it'll say what um, server you're on, because that's what we have to know if Archive.org comes through. Yeah, Come on, Wayback Machine, you can do it. It's, it's thinking about it's it. It's ticking away. And so, what, you just had a big burst of nostalgia because of the name Fen and Roe? Yeah. Well, that was just like... Wasn't he some 18-year-old kid? Yeah. 
No, that you're thinking about um, Felagund, who was the leader. Yes. I can't believe I just pulled that out of my memory. <laughs> that is freaking me out as well. Um, oh, wow. I don't know. It, there's a bunch of stuff here. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I can't probably spend the whole day thinking Yeah, yeah, this. yeah. But that was fun. So, hey, do you have anything else to add about what type of class or care or race you... Yeah, I like rangers because I prefer fighting with a bow and arrow. I uh-huh. don't like guns. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I like to. I do like to tank, but I also like to stand back and do d- damage. So mm. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> All right, there you go. And you didn't ask me, so uh, oh wait, yeah. Oh no, each of it. I always go for clerics. I always like to be support. Um, I well, one because so often people don't want to do it, so I'll just step up and do the thing that needs to get done. But also, I I get a kick out of keeping everybody alive. I find that very satisfying. It's why I made such a big push for more medic. Um, mission objectives in Brink, where they had not been prior. But anyway, oh, and then finally, Honey Pie, yeah. I warned her ahead of time this time, Henrik, oh. because Henrik sent in the uh, the monthly request. I'm ready. Closing it out, Honey Pie, could you share your words of wisdom? Okay, well, this is actually a Laura Ingalls Wilder quote since we were what talking. What a quinky, total coincidence, or is that why she was on your mind? This, and- is, this is it. Okay. So um, she says, the real things haven't changed. It is still best to be honest and truthful. To make the most of what we have, to be happy with the simple pleasures, and have courage when things go wrong. Okie doke. And on that, folks, we will end it. And I'll find out, hopefully, this thing, this phone, actually recorded all this stuff. And it doesn't sound totally horrible. Fingers crossed. And um, as always, folks, if you've got questions, send them to questions at rotto.com. Otherwise, uh, we'll be back next month. Because we did hit the target. Um, Doesn't look like we're going to hit top 10 target for uh, the month of May, but there will be another podcast. Join us next month for episode 37. And otherwise, have a very, very nice day. Talk to you later. So long. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.